Welcome to the National Crawford Roundtable Podcast, a view of culture, current events, and politics through a biblical lens. Brought to you by Preborn, saving babies and souls. Join us in the fight to save babies from abortion. Your gift provides a free ultrasound for a mother in need. 80% of the time, she will choose life. Visit CrawfordMediaGroup.net and click on the Preborn logo to donate to save babies now. And now here are your hosts, Neil Boron, Bob Duco, Roger Marsh, and John Rush. And back for another episode, another week of the National Crawford Roundtable Podcast. Uh, we're running full steam today. Got all the guys, Neil, Roger, John, myself, Bob. Hey, guys, how are you? Hey, hey. Very good, Bob. Thank you. Well, very good. Well, uh, of course, looking forward to Thanksgiving this week. And actually, in this episode, we're going to talk about a couple things. Later on in the second half, we're going to talk about uh, Thanksgiving, uh, all things uh, Thanksgiving and, and discussing, and obviously what we're thankful for and just so many different things to uh, to dive into there. But before we do, uh, we're going to talk about what's big in the news this week, and these are a couple of mass shootings. We've got the tragic shooting in Colorado Springs Saturday night at this uh, gay nightclub, and then, of course, we have Tuesday evening the shooting in the uh, Walmart store in Virginia uh, that uh, left six people dead and some others injured. And so there's a lot to unpack in these two shootings. I'd like to start with the Saturday night shooting, the uh, Colorado nightclub, Colorado Springs nightclub. Now, the shooter in this case, Anderson Lee Aldrich, he goes into the nightclub and he uh, just, you know, starts shooting people. He killed five and then apparently injured 18 on the low end, 25 on the high end, based on different reports. He was subdued by some patrons that were there. Uh, People heroically took the gun away from him, beat him with his own handgun uh, as they took him to the ground. He apparently also had an AR-15 style uh, rifle as well. And so it's a horrible, tragic shooting that, that took place. And no real surprise, we immediately... Before the facts were out, immediately we could count on the media and the Democrats going after Republicans, trying to say that this is uh, clearly a result of the rhetoric of the anti-LGBT rhetoric and such of the right wing in this country. Uh, uh, These are the kind of uh, claims that we heard yet. NBC News, Ben Collins of NBC News. Blame this on Republican politicians and Internet's far-right machine, saying, quote, I think we have to have a come-to-Jesus moment. How's that for ironic? Here as reporters, are we more afraid of being on Breitbart for saying that trans people deserve to live? Uh, AOC Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, she went after Colorado Republican Lauren Boebert, as a bigot and said that she motivated this kind of shooting. Uh, AOC tweeted, quote, Lauren Boebert, you have played a major role in elevating anti-LGBT plus hate rhetoric and anti-trans lies. You don't get to thoughts and prayers your way out of this. Look inward and change. Went on to say, dehumanizing rhetoric leads to dehumanizing actions, which quickly translates to violence, shootings, assaults, and worse. Uh, Glad the Gay and Lesbian Alliance Against Defamation, their CEO, blamed Republicans and Florida Governor Ron DeSantis. uh, Saying, quote, DeSantis and Boebert have blood on their hands. 
on this, uh, DeSantis, because of his what's falsely called don't say gay bill, which we know that's not what it was. It merely stated you're not allowed to introduce gender confusion to third graders down to kindergartners. But anyway, so uh, this is the narrative that the media ran with. But interestingly enough, by Wednesday morning, the mainstream press just isn't that interested in the Colorado shooting, uh, Colorado Springs shooting anymore. I wonder why. Could it be that court documents have shown that the shooter turns out identifies as non-binary and goes by they them pronouns? Well, what do you do? Uh, John, let's start with you, of course. Uh, John Rush, Rush to Reason out of Denver, Colorado. This is kind of in your backyard. Mm -hmm. Uh, There are some of your thoughts on this and how the left played the typical narrative card that you would expect. But now suddenly the media is like, oh, let's move off of this shooting as quickly as possible. And, and yeah, you're... Fact of the matter, Bob, you'll be lucky to hear much about this after this. So many things about this were wrong from the get-go, of course. And then now that we've you know started to come to find out what actually is going on, and I have no idea what was going on in this particular uh, gentleman's uh, mind, why he did it. I think more will come out on that. Right. I, whether we ever hear that in the mainstream news, I would be shocked if we do, because my gut feeling is this thing now. Now that we know more about him, it'll get buried. One other thing, too, that we need to make note of is in Colorado, we have red flag laws. This particular right. gentleman technically didn't qualify to even own a weapon under those red flag laws, knowing some of the history that he's had psychologically speaking and so on. So again, Bob, just t- just shows you that even the laws that Democrats want to enact don't work anyways. Right. Well, and this is an important point here because Colorado already has, great point, John, some of the strictest gun control laws in this country. Correct. The wish list of stuff that Democrats are pushing in, uh, you know, around the country. Yeah, they, they want a nationwide exists. Colorado is what they want, Bob, but yet that didn't work here. So how's it going to work anywhere else? Yeah, I know. So true. So true. Uh, well, and we'll talk about uh, the red flag laws, too, in just a little bit, because there's more to discuss about that. But let's kind of go around the table. Roger Marsh, of course, uh, the bottom line out of the People's Republic of California. You guys also have among the strictest gun control laws in the entire country, yet we see shootings like this happening in California, too. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and the crazy thing about this, to John's point, and and yours as well, Bob, is once this case began to unravel, all of those talking points about the quote-unquote common-sense gun laws and Republicans are holding us back, and if it wasn't for the GOP, I was reading through some of the tweets as well. I was a Chasen Buttigieg, you know, the the husband, quote-unquote, of our uh, Secretary of Transportation, uh, got into it with somebody on Twitter because he said, hey, look, I mean, the reason that we have this here is because, you know, you don't, this is an attack on us, and it's a, everything's an attack if they don't like it. But then to the point, well, here we are, that's Saturday night, Sunday morning, and then all of a sudden, three days later, turns out Mr. Aldrich and John and I just misgendered them. Uh, because they claim to be non-binary. So all of a sudden, okay, well, shoot. Okay, one of the letters up there, and that's who was in there. And then you got the army, or the uh, the military veteran who was the one who led the charge to knock this guy over and beat him up with his own gun. 
again, I mean, it just messes up their whole narrative. And everything is about a narrative. Everything is about, you know, that, that type of thing. Here in the People's Republic of California, we have more laws. We lead the league in laws, regulation, and red tape than any other state in the union. And it's amazing to me how many of these laws actually stand because most of them get overturned, ironically, by the Ninth Circus Court of Appeals. I mean, who just says, hey, that's too much of an overreach. Right. You can't really do that. So the idea that we've all said this on our program, so I'll be the first to say it today here on the podcast. Common sense gun laws only work for people who pay attention to laws. And the people who are already paying attention to laws are already abiding by the laws. So passing new common sense gun laws doesn't keep a Q club uh, shooting from happening, especially when nine bi- non-binary them walks in with two long rifles and opens fire. I mean, it's just it, you, you, you have to call it for what it is. And we, I think, have the courage to actually say, this is what happened and this is what's going on. And all the rhetoric coming from the left right now isn't going to solve any of these problems. No, I know. Uh, Neil Boron, Neil Boron, live out of Buffalo, New York. Your immediate takeaways and thoughts on what we've seen from the Colorado nightclub shooting and the latest information has come out about the shooter. Well, how many times have we seen this happen? I mean, it's not just the shootings I'm talking about, but the what's happening with this whole narrative situation. I mean, the reality is people want to blame others uh, right out of the box without knowing any of the facts. Bob, you pointed that out so well. And I think it's time that the American people begin to wake up and realize that what we're hearing from the mainstream media isn't always true. You have to look below the surface. And, John, you nailed it when you said the story's going to get buried. You're not going to ever hear the other side of the story. You know, it's like you can defame somebody in the in the first article that runs in the news, maybe on the front page, but the correction runs on page 27, is buried below everything else. I mean, so what happens with the story long term, who knows? But my prayer is that the American people really wake up and understand that we're being manipulated. This goes way beyond just like a mistake. This is flat-out manipulation, and they're creating confusion for personal gain and for benefit, you know, on the part of progressives and liberals, and I think it needs to stop. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we've got a lot about this to unpack, and then, of course, coming up a little bit later on in the second half of the podcast, we're going to be talking about all things Thanksgiving, so we've got a lot more to continue to discuss and unpack on this National Crawford Roundtable podcast. Uh, We do want to ask everybody listening to us, though, you know, this is Thanksgiving week, and we really do have a lot to be thankful for. And one of the things I would ask everybody doing right now is, would you prayerfully consider giving some money to stop abortions through preborn? We, you hear us talking about preborn every week. They're a tremendous ministry. They've been around for a long time, and they partner with pro-life pregnancy centers all across the country. And what they do is show ultrasound images of unborn babies to those expectant moms. And do you know that when a mom sees an ultrasound image of her baby, that's the first time she's ever seen a picture of her baby. And something happens with that woman. She can't go through with the abortion. Women choose life 83% of the time, statistically, when they see an ultrasound image of their baby. So preborn is saving babies' lives. But it takes money to do this, and that's where we all come in. The average cost to save one baby's life is $28. So I'm asking everybody listening to us right now, would you donate $280 one time to stop 10 abortions. Would you be willing to do that? All you got to do is go online to crawfordmediagroup.net. That's crawfordmediagroup.net. You can click on the preborn tab and you can give right there. And 100% of what you give goes to fund ultrasounds, nothing for overhead. Of course, it's a nice tax write-off for you too. Now, if God's blessed you financially, you're doing well, we'd love it if you can do more than that. 
Some of you can do $2,800 and save 100 babies' lives. And by the way, we do need some of you out there to be willing to buy an ultrasound machine. That costs $15,000, but you're going to be responsible for stopping literally thousands and thousands of abortions. So wherever you are on the scale, whether you're a $15,000 giver, whether you're a $2,800 giver, or you can do two eighty. Would you go right now to CrawfordMediaGroup.net, click on Preborn, and go ahead and give now. And if you want to give over the phone, they answer the phones 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. So you can call right now, 833-850-BABY. Just mention uh, National Crawford when you call, okay? 833-850-BABY. We appreciate you folks doing this. As we continue the National Crawford Roundtable podcast with John and Roger, Neil, myself, Bob, right now we're talking about the horrific shootings that took place, the uh, Pulse, or, <laughs> Pulse, the, the uh, Gay Night Club, Q, uh, the Q Club in Colorado Springs on Saturday night. And then, of course, we have the tragic Walmart shooting last night. We're still waiting for details to come out about this. So far, the details that we heard as of Wednesday morning, which is when we're recording this, uh, it it appears that this was an employee. Uh, They're saying that it was a manager uh, of this Walmart in Virginia and that the shooting started in the break room. There's one report that he was laughing as he was starting and just starting shooting people up in the break room and then went through the store and uh, was shooting people. And apparently six had uh, died as of Wednesday morning. The details may change. We don't know the motive. We don't. It wouldn't be right to speculate on these things. But one thing that we do know, the liberal left, the Democratic Party, they capitalize on this to push their new gun laws. And this is what's so frustrating for me. And, and Neil, let me go to you on this. When we see the left pushing the, the we need new gun laws, we need new gun laws, John was absolutely right what he said earlier. Okay, the only people that it might have been Roger, I can't remember, the only people that pay attention to gun laws are law-abiding citizens. So, uh if you if you have new gun law restrictions, all that does is make it more difficult for law-abiding citizens to buy guns, makes them more expensive, so that hurts lower-income people. Uh, so the law-abiding citizens that want to take care and protect their own families, it makes it more difficult on them. This doesn't do anything for the people that are out there illegally because that are going to kill people. They don't care what the gun laws are. It's so easy to get a gun on the black market right now. If anything else, make legal guns harder to get. All you do is strengthen, Neil, the underground black market for guns. I think the liberal Democrats know this. But they also know that they can try to smear Republicans by making it look like they have blood on their hands if they happen to support the NRA. Yeah, and again, when will the insanity stop? You're 100% right. Legal gun owners don't kill people because they are law-abiding citizens. People who act illegally or own illegal guns obtain them by breaking the law or are using them in in accordance with breaking the law. I mean, the reality is it's insanity. Um, furthermore, there's a there was a law passed recently by Governor Hochul here in New York State 
that essentially makes it impossible for people who have concealed carry permits, legal concealed carry permits, to carry their guns in places that are considered to be, quote, sensitive. Uh, among those places are churches. What's interesting now is that some African-American pastors, a number of pastors of, of all backgrounds, but namely some African-Americans right here in the city of Buffalo are suing New York State over that, saying, listen, we need to protect our congregations. We've been carrying for years, and the reason you've never heard about anything happening in our church is because we're law-abiding citizens. We simply realize we live in vulnerable areas where somebody may come in attempting to steal the offering or cause harm. I mean, uh, some of some of this was prompted by the shooting in South Carolina, but, you know, hey, churches are vulnerable places. You had the, the shooting at a, a, a temple, a Jewish synagogue in, uh, in right. Pittsburgh, you know. So the reality is this kind of stuff can happen. So who is the state going after? They're going after law-abiding pastors who are concealed carry for the sake of protecting their congregation. It's absolute total insanity, and I think people need to wake up. Why we don't, why we never wake up, I don't know. By the way, one other quick thing. How come How come it's always uh, you know, the NRA or Second Amendment people who get blamed for this kind of stuff? What about video games, you know, that, that celebrate blowing people sure. away? Kids grow up sitting on their couch for 30 years before they leave home, or 40 years in some cases, you know, with the idea that human life doesn't matter. And, and by the way, um, you know, some of the strictest gun laws are in places like New York and California where they claim to really care about protecting human life, but we have the most progressive abortion laws, mm-hmm. which make it possible for, you know, women to have an abortion right up until the very second her baby's born. And if her baby lives, then it's illegal to protect the baby who's laying on the table trying to say, you know, fighting for its own life, trying to take a breath, but no, it would be illegal for a doctor or nurse to step in and save the child's life. Talk about insanity and corruption. It's unbelievable. So, I don't know, I 100% with, you know, the tenor of your question, Bob, like, what's wrong with America, and why do we continue to push things that aren't working? It's insanity. I, I, I could not agree with you more. And by the way, let me just say on a side note, what you're saying about the abortion laws is so true. And I, I just want to remind everybody, okay, we very much appreciate you donating to preborn and stopping these abortions. We do, okay? And, and I don't want everybody to forget about that when we talk about this. So uh, if you didn't donate already, go to CrawfordMediaGroup.net and click on the preborn tab. You can do that right now, CrawfordMediaGroup.net. Uh, or you can call 833-850-BASE. Baby, because they answer the phones 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And, and don't forget, folks, I mean, $280 stops 10 abortions. That, that's, that's a great legacy to have in your family. But I'll tell you what else is a great legacy. Uh, you realize that preborn, every last year alone, they had 8,000 mothers make first-time decisions for Jesus Christ. Right, so this is what your your money goes to when you give to preborn. So seriously, go right now, CrawfordMediaGroup.net. Click on the preborn tab. We appreciate you folks donating uh, whatever you can to save these babies' lives. Two hundred eighty dollars to stop ten abortions. You know, uh, I do want to go a little bit deeper, uh, if we could, John, about the red flag laws because you got red flag laws in. Colorado, Roger. Do you, you guys have red flag laws in California? You got to. I'm assuming, right? Yes. yes. If there's a law okay. preventing anything, we've got it. Uh, yeah, it's true. <laughs> okay. Uh, well, John, let me ask you. These red. Here's what's concerning to me about this, and why it just shows they don't work. Number one, the, I'm against red flag laws. I am totally against yeah, them. However, 
If there was a case for red flag laws, it would be the Colorado Springs shooter who had the bomb squad all come down and shut shut down the neighborhood last year when he was right. threatening to, to blow everything up. So this is a guy, if there's ever a case for them, so so that didn't stop this guy from from getting the gun. However, these red flag laws do open up the opportunity for liberal judges and liberal troublemakers or whatever to basically say, hey, we think you're a nutcase, you're mentally unhinged, and so right. you're, we think you're dangerous to have a gun. And who's going to be called dangerous? Well, people that aren't on the global warming bandwagon? Well, because what we, we don't believe in science. People that are, aren't on the LGBT transgender bandwagon? Well, we're, we're hate-mongering bigots. People that question whether there was fraud in the 2020 election? Okay, well, you're a hinged flat earth. Uh, you're an election denier. So I just see a whole bunch of things, John, that could flag us as yep. mentally unsound yep. as conservatives and Christians. Including all of the stuff surrounding COVID that we've talked about, vaccines and so oh, on. Right, so we, exactly. We, we yes. just go down the list of the things that yes, some folks right. out there would look at. And in Colorado, by the way, if everybody listening to, or in other states, you do not have to be an immediate relative or family member to lodge that complaint. So, Bob, even oh, I, myself as a, a talk show host, I could be on air and some liberal could be listening and say, you know what, That's a guy, that guy right there, he's a threat to society. That's all it takes is somebody reporting it. And now what happens in Colorado is you're literally judged in the court of opinion, if you really want to get down to it. One judge, no jury. One judge could single-handedly say, yep, John, you're, you're a threat to society. No more guns for you. Done. Oh, wow. That's I mean, look, I reported you, John. I mean, I admit that, but you're right. Well, Your Bobby, Colorado, and, and this one turned out okay because there was a lawsuit and then ended up being straightened out. But there was a person up in the Fort Collins area, which is north of, of Denver, a police officer who was involved in one of these red flag situations. It was it was a mess. It was a joke. It shouldn't have happened. But that just shows you how how erroneous these laws are and they just in this case in point what happened this last weekend they don't work period they absolutely don't uh, whether it's colorado whether it's california or any place else and i'm telling you these red flag laws are in fact going to start being used against conservatives and Christians. I really genuinely believe that. Here's an idea. How about we have a discussion about gun-free zones in this country? I think gun-free zones are some of the most dangerous places to be. It's like when you see a sign that says gun-free zone, who is that sign for? You know, who's, that, who's the intended reader? Is it the law-abiding citizen? Okay, well, they're not a danger in your store. All right, It's the lawbreaker that doesn't give a rip what that sign says. Just once, I'd love yep. to see one of these Democrats put a gun-free zone sign on the front yard of their own home. I guarantee you they wouldn't do that. Bob, last Uh, I checked really quick, too. I want to make sure that we state this. I know it's obvious and it's sort of cliche-ish, but isn't it already against the law to take another man's life, another person's life? Uh, Last time I checked. I'm pretty sure that's against the law. law Unless that work, how how in the world is the law banning guns going to work? Unless unless a person's unborn, then it's not against the law. Then it's okay. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. I By know. the way, under oh, the I word uh, gun-free zone is the subtitle soft target. Yeah, good one. <laughs> yes, good one, that's, that's good absolutely one. true. Absolutely true. Um, Roger, I want to ask you something. As a, You and Neil are both pastors, okay? And every once in a while, I'll 
catch catch heat, no pun intended, from some of my listeners who are anti-gun and say, as a Christian, you got no business promoting guns the way that you do. Well, uh, respectfully, I disagree. One of the advertisers on my show happens to be the largest gun store and gun range in the state of Michigan as an advertiser on my show, Top Gun Shooting Sports. I happen to be a concealed carry uh, holder. I hold a concealed carry license. Um, I see nothing unbiblical about carrying guns. And, and Roger, I, I know people will bring up things like Peter and Jesus rebuking Peter, you know, when, when Peter cut, pulled out a sword and cut off Malchus's ear when they came to arrest Jesus. And then Jesus, of course, heals uh, Malchus's ear and then tells Peter, put away your sword, live by the sword, die by the sword. And the anti-gun people go, oh, see there. But it's like, no, wait a minute. Peter was thinking in the flesh. Peter wasn't thinking, uh, he wasn't thinking in the spirit. He wasn't realizing that Jesus had to fulfill his purpose for coming here. He was thinking that he was trying to live by the sword. But what stands out to me, Roger, is what Jesus did not say to Peter. He did not say to Peter, what are you doing with a sword in the first place? You shouldn't be carrying that. Throw it away. No. He said, put your sword away. It's the equivalency of holster that weapon. Uh, this is not the time to be doing that. You don't live by, this, by the weapon, but you have it just in case you need it. Just like when he sent out his disciples. Hey, take a sword with you. If you don't have a sword, sell your cloak and buy one. And we've got to remember, Roger, 2,000 years ago there were no guns. Swords were the most lethal personal weapon of the day, and Jesus instructed his disciples to carry them. So I'm having a hard time understanding why it's wrong for Christians today to carry a gun. Well, it's kind of where the progressive movement is right now in terms of the intentions versus the motives. You know, the intentions of, well, I didn't mean for anybody to get hurt. And, and we know that when people use weapons, it's like any time you hear about someone declaring war and people start freaking out. Wars are bad because people will die. Well, you know, people die in car crashes and no one bans automobiles. I mean, they right. have to take a look at what they're being used for. I would Anyone who has any problem with a Christian owning a gun, I would refer them back to Ephesians chapter 6. Look at the weaponry of warfare that we have and then ask the question, how are we supposed to use that? That weaponry that we have is to fight off the attacks that are coming our way. I mean, it's very, very practical what Paul's telling the church at Ephesus. And, you know, it's interesting because as we were sitting here, I was thinking back just during the past year, I have a friend who's a Filipino pastor who is uh, licensed in jiu-jitsu, who runs self-defense classes and does active shooter drills at his church twice a year. I have another friend who is part of the ministry team at his very large church in Southern California where they actually make sure that they have off-duty police officers or guys with CCWs. At least two of them are in every worship service they have to prevent that type of thing from happening. I, he was a guy we were having lunch one time, and I said, you know, it's really nice to live in an area where we don't have a lot of crime. And he said, well, we have a lot of CCWs. And I said, what do you mean? He goes, look around this restaurant and ask yourself, mm -hmm. who's carrying? You know? And it was, I, I don't have a gun. I don't, I don't have a problem with people who have them. But it never occurred to me that when I walk into a large restaurant that there's someone in there who's got something holstered, sheathed, if you will, ready to protect mm -hmm. in case somebody comes out and tries to blow your That's brains right. out. So the idea that you can't control the weapon and so therefore you have to ban the weapon completely misses the point. We are sinful fallen people in a sinful fallen world. Anybody has the right. capacity, apart yeah. from Christ, to, to go off like this guy at Walmart did or the guy at Club Q did. I mean, it's not the weapon that's called. That's just the means of destruction. 
exactly and as as a matter and i'll tell you what we uh there's so much more we could talk about this we're coming up on the on the bottom of the hour in the second half we're going to talk about all things thanksgiving there's a lot of different aspects of thanksgiving to address and of course thanksgiving on thursday of this week in the meantime we encourage you folks to listen to the second half now if the second half doesn't play on your regular radio station it's possible your regular radio station plays the second half at a different time so what you want to do is go to the programming guide of your local radio station you can see when the second half is played or just listen to the second half online you can go to crawfordmediagroup.net or apple podcast stitcher tune in wherever you listen to your podcast if you want to watch video of all of us don't know why no i'm just kidding uh myhopenow.com has a video of our podcasts as well and we're going to continue the second half of the national crawford roundtable coming up next this has been a crawford media group production Continuing the second half of the National Crawford Roundtable podcast with all the guys. Neil Boron, Neil Boron, live out of Buffalo, New York. Roger Marsh of the bottom line from California, the People's Republic. John Rush, Rush to Reason out of Denver, Colorado. Myself, Bob Duco, the Bob Duco Show out of Detroit. All right, so the first half we talked about uh, guns, gun violence, the shootings that happened, and uh, the truth versus the, the fiction that we hear in the whole gun debate. But for the second half, we're going to talk... Thanksgiving. All right. Now, we record this on Wednesday morning. So to us, tomorrow morning is Thanksgiving. And, you know, guys, there's a few aspects of this that I want to talk about. We're certainly going to uh, discuss uh, a Christian perspective on Thanksgiving and what we're thankful for. And we, we want to talk about some of those things. But first, there are some political aspects of Thanksgiving that I'd like to address and get out on the table. And one of them is just how expensive thanksgiving is for people in this country and you know this is a product of the biden administration democrats being in charge this is what happens when you have out of control spending when you uh, undo all of trump's energy independence policies and so now we're back to being dependent on foreign oil more that drives up gas prices it also makes it more expensive to ship things which is going to make things more expensive as well in this country uh as you continue to do stuff like this uh, what and you put more regulations on businesses you make it more difficult for them to make a profit okay guess what happens the prices get passed on to us in inflation and everything else so i want to throw some numbers out on the table here for thanksgiving dinner that people are producing this year first of all uh if you look at pies pies are up 18.6 percent over a year ago now we're not talking about 18.6 percent since biden took office we're just talking about since last thanksgiving when biden was already in office for over a half a year Ice cream, if you want it to be a la mode, ice cream is up 13.3% over just a year ago. Canned fruits like cranberry sauce up 18.7%. Going to make mashed potatoes? The fresh potatoes are up 15.6%. Rolls, biscuits, and muffins are up 13.6%. You're going to put butter on them? They're up 26.7% over one year just last Thanksgiving. If you're going to have salad, the salad dressing is up 19.7%. If you're going to put gravy on your mashed potatoes, gravy's up 14.6%. And the turkey itself is up 21% as an average over last year. The stuffing uh, stuffing is up 69% over last year. 
Two frozen pie crusts are up 26%. Whipped cream up 26%. Uh, frozen peas up 23%. Don't put peas in the casserole. That doesn't... No, please anyway, stop. Uh, please don't. Uh, dinner rolls... 22% of the uh, a dozen of them. You also have um, the pumpkin pie mix itself is up 18%. And of course, you have a glass of milk that's up uh, 16%. And finally, sweet potatoes are only up 11%. Hey, not too bad. Uh, let's go around. John, first, let's remind people, okay? This is real. This is hitting people yes. in their pocketbook, and it's yes. low-income families. Yes. I saw a poll recently, 25% on average of Americans say they're skipping Thanksgiving dinner because they just can't afford it. I, I can see why. There, I had a family member that texted me yesterday, a 21-pound turkey here locally was $75, guys. A oh. year ago, that would have been about 30 bucks or so. So, Bob, in our area, Incredible. it's even higher than the figures you just gave. And, and right. of course, that, That's other, national that I gave, right. Exactly. So depending upon where you're at, it might even be higher. So for the average family, Bob, they're going to spend most likely double, if not more, on Thanksgiving dinner than they did in the past. To your point, it affects those that don't have it more so than those that right. do Exactly. And, Roger, that to me is a really critical part of this. People got to realize that these Democrat policies, uh, the, the Joe Biden policies, Say what you want. You know, you may hate Donald Trump's tweets, but I'll tell you what, I'll take his tweets and an affordable Thanksgiving dinner for low-income families, Roger, all day long. Yeah, absolutely. When you look at the pricing, when you look at the cost, and you look at the fact that people do have a lot to be thankful for and they want to give thanks, and this is a very traditional, you know, American-style thing. I mean, this isn't the George Washington Day of Thanksgiving and humiliation and praise, you know, that we would, you know, just let this nation come together and pray. This is something that's become a cultural tradition. It's something that people really do like to celebrate. And when you make it so impossible for people to do, where you're, I was reading a, a statistic the other day about one out of every three Americans is basically doing a smaller version of Thanksgiving. One out of every four is skipping the meal altogether, just because they're they're looking at the, the right. dollars involved and say, hey, if you're looking at seventy something dollars, you know, for a turkey and and everything else that goes along with it, all the costs you just mentioned, Bob, if you're looking at a four or five hundred dollars for a one time meal. It's going to be over in about twenty minutes. And then everybody runs out and goes watches football or, you know, does Black Friday shopping online or whatever they're going to do. Uh, you know, it's interesting as we've been talking about our connection with preborn, and I can't, I can't help but wonder how many people are going to take a look at Thanksgiving and say, well, you know, Thanksgiving, preborn. I mean, quite frankly, if you're going to scale it way back, I know. you want to, you want to make a, a more long-term lasting impression. And the thought is with these holidays, they do leave lasting impressions. You know, the, the passing on from generation to generation of, recipes and stories and you know multi-generations getting together it's so very very important but at the end of the day i think a lot of people are saying hey i looked at the price tag and it just doesn't add up for me well and you know look you mentioned pre-born and you're absolutely right roger and and i know i know it's tough to hit you folks up for money you know i understand that when it's like bob look at inflation everything's so expensive we got christmas coming up i don't know how i'm going to pay for thanksgiving dinner tomorrow and then here i am asking you for 280 dollars to stop 10 abortions okay i get that i really do but i also hope everybody in the audience understands that we're we're really talking about saving babies lives and somehow some way if you can make that happen we're asking you to give to preborn and save some babies' lives. Now, if you cannot, and it's like there's just no way in the world you can afford it, and you're really, really having a hard time, that's fine. I'm not trying to twist your arm, okay? I'm not trying to make anybody feel guilty. But I'm just asking, if you're listening to this podcast right now, 
And God has blessed you enough that you're able to pay your bills, you're able to keep the lights on, you're able to put food on the table tomorrow, and you can make it happen one time for $280 where you stop 10 abortions. Because you know what we need? We need those of you in the audience that, that God has blessed you enough that you're doing okay financially right now. Can I be blunt? We need you to pick up the slack for the others in the audience that would desperately love to be able to stop some of these abortions, but they just can't keep the lights on in their home. So we need the rest of you to pick up the slack for them. Would you prayerfully consider doing that today? Uh, $280 stops 10 abortions. That's the average cost. You donate it to preborn. Preborn has been doing this for a long time, partnering with pro-life centers all across the country to show ultrasound images of unborn babies to the moms. And those moms choose life 83% of the time, statistically, if they can just see an ultrasound image of their baby. And that's why we say $28 saves one baby's life, 280 bucks, 10 babies. What do you say? Go right now to CrawfordMediaGroup.net, and you can give right there. CrawfordMediaGroup.net. Click on the Preborn tab. Uh, and remember, 100% of what you donate goes right to funding ultrasounds, nothing for overhead. So CrawfordMediaGroup.net, or you can give over the phone by calling right now, 833-850-BABY. And they answer the phones 24 hours a day. So go right now, 833-850-BABY. As we continue talking about Thanksgiving, we really do have a lot to be thankful for. But right now we're talking about the the inflation and the reality of this and how difficult it is for low-income families to even put food on the table. And, Neil, I want to get your uh, take on this also. I mean, you're a pastor, as is Roger, so I know you have a heart for people that are struggling, that are suffering. And, you know, not to politicize this, but the truth is Joe Biden and the Democrats' policies are causing pain and suffering right now financially for a lot of low-income families that that are giving up on having Thanksgiving dinner. I mean, that's where we are in this country. And it seems to me there's got to be a wake-up moment for a lot of people who tend to vote Democrat to go, maybe, just maybe, they're not helping the poor the way they say they do. Yeah, and that's something I think people really need to take a serious look at. I mean, what what are we getting for all those, you know, dollars that are just going to everywhere, including all over the world? You know, the massive amount of support for Ukraine and other places. And uh, it just seems like we could print money and hand it out. You know, you don't have to pay your student loans. You don't have to pay anything. We're going to take care of you, which, by the way, is a great setup for socialism. But that's another issue entirely. Right. Um, all that said, you know, I mean, I'm listening to you guys talk. And, Bob, I just want to kind of piggyback on your preborn comments for a minute. Just because, you know, um, when hardship comes, you've got some choices to make. I'll give, just personally, let me say, when I turned 60 a couple of years ago, um, I was really reflecting that, you know, like I, I played football when I was younger, so to me life happens in quarters. And if God happens to give me 80 years, I don't know, I'm, I might not be here next weekend, but um, if I get 80 years on the planet, then I, that means, you know, once you turn 60, you're entering the fourth quarter. And that means something, you know, when you play sports. Like the fourth quarter matters. And I wanted my, my time on this earth to count, so I was looking more specifically at how I actually spend my time. And, you know, I did a poor job in the earliest years of marriage really prioritizing family. I, I wanted to, and I believed everything James Dobson ever said about the importance of prioritizing family. But I was also looking for significance in all the wrong places. So, you know, chasing after importance by being on this committee or emceeing that special event, which I had nothing to do with the organization. I just wanted to be there to be seen. And what I mean, I, I really made some mistakes early on. And and so I had to, to reevaluate. Well, when, when scarcity happens, especially in that case, 
less years on the planet. You got to start making better decisions. When scarcity happens, you have an opportunity to reprioritize. And so, you know, for some people, maybe cutting back on the big Thanksgiving meal is going to be the most important thing to do simply to be able to be together at all and have a pizza together or something, you know, like just scale it back. But um, at the same time, you know, it's some people that do that may say, we want to invest in something worthwhile long-term and, and make a decision to support an organization like Preborn, even if it hurts and even if it means, um, you know, not doing the traditional thing that we've always done in the past. But you can make new memories that way. And I just kind of want to encourage people, while they feel the pinch, the pinch this year, to really think about being creative and utilizing time and opportunity and time spent with family and maybe maybe doing less of the opulence and more of the quality. You know, instead of quantity, go for quality in terms of relationship and time spent playing games together, whatever. Um, it's a sad state of affairs that we're in, and I think, you know, the government has had a lot to do with this. But um, to me, there's a wonderful opportunity for, especially those of us who know and love the Lord, to know that we will be taken care of. God will supply our needs. We'll have something to eat, and we should be grateful for that. But at the same time, let's not shy away from helping others during a time when when people are actually really hurting. Yeah, no, I'll tell you what, that is that is so true. We do need to be helping people in need, and we got so much to be thankful for. And You know, I was... Uh, John, John Rush, I was actually yesterday reading the account of the first Thanksgiving, you know, back in 1621, after the Pilgrims landed here in 1620. And, oh, my goodness, the trials that they went through. Right. Uh, the, uh, when, you, when you look at that and you just you, you realize just how difficult that was for them, yet somehow, in the midst of all of that, in the midst of all of that pain, look at what they look at what they did. They completely gave their thanks to God. And I just, you know, John, I want to share with you also just a quick line from the Mayflower Compact of 1620. Now, this is what they wrote, and it's interesting what they say the purpose of even coming here was in the first place. Here's what it says, quote, Agreement between settlers at New Plymouth, 1620. In the name of God, amen. We whose names are underwritten, the loyal subjects of our dread sovereign Lord King James, by the grace of God of Great Britain, France, and Ireland, King, Defender of the Faith, and having undertaken for the glory of God and advancement of the Christian faith, and the honor of our king and country, a voyage to plant the first colony in the northern parts of Virginia. I mean, they flat out declared the reason that we're here is for the glory of God and to advance the Christian faith. And they held on to that faith in Jesus Christ while they lost half, half of the pilgrims that came over here on the uh, Mayflower that first winter. Yet, what did they do the next year as they were working together with the Wampanoags and, and Squanto and such? Let's let's have thanks and give thanks to God, and let's let's uh, tell these people about who God is and Jesus Christ. And so, I, I just think it's incredible faith. I know people are struggling right now financially with inflation and everything else, but my goodness, you talk about thanking God in the midst of trials. Amen. And I I have no words, Bob. You go back and you think about the things that not only they, but you know, even all the way up into the founding of the country, and even you know. Uh, decades afterwards and the struggles that those early, you know, quote-unquote pioneers and settlers had and just knowing what they went through and yet at the end of the day we're so thankful and I look at us today and I think, and I said this the other day on air, 
if our founding fathers and the folks that were around at that time could see what we have today, they would not believe their eyes. The amount of abundance that we all, even our poorest out there, the amount of abundance that we have, Bob, compared to what you just read a moment ago, huge. And yet a lot of us take that for granted and don't realize what we even have. And if they could see our whining and complaining today oh, about yes. how tough we yes. have it, the why yes. is God testing me? It's like yeah, they have no, we have me? no idea what, what what they even went through, Bob. Not at all. Oh, I know. Uh, Roger, just some of uh, your thoughts on uh, the pilgrims and the, not just the suffering that they had, but in the midst of that suffering, here they are praising God, thanking God, and this is for his glory. And it's like, wow, that is some serious faith. Yeah, you know, and I think that's the, the part of Thanksgiving that oftentimes we don't think enough about is the spiritual component. The fact that we right. um, have this Christian heritage, the fact that y- you can tell God's hand of providence is on this land because of the fact that we have been able to thrive and survive in spite of ourselves. You know, in spite of the, the differences that we've had, in spite of some of the warring factions and some of the oppression that we've kind of foisted upon ourselves. And yet the, the gospel continues to thrive. The gospel continues to move forward. And you realize that the physical hardships and the cultural challenges, you know, that we faced, I mean, the, the solution to all of it, I mean, the remedy, all begins with, I was listening to a Tony Evans sermon uh, recently where he was talking about the fact that people who are always looking for justice, for example, in this culture, if you don't have justice tethered to righteousness, the righteousness of God, you're never going to get it. He said, they're basically, they're Siamese twins, you know, when you get right down to it. And that's something that that when you think back to the pilgrim influence and you think of the history of the church, you know, in this nation, that's something that we should be forever grateful for. I mean, the fact that they were willing to endure, I mean, no disrespect intended to the modern church, but it does seem like we get our knickers in a twist over things far less than that. And uh, the the idea that we would, would be willing to suffer, you know, it was kind of nice to see during COVID some of the pastors standing up and saying, "Hey, wait, we're gonna we're gonna fight back here," uh, because I kind of get the sense that uh, there was kind of a, a go along to get along, you know, type of mentality for a lot of people in the modern church because we just want to be good neighbors, we want to grow in our faith, we want to build our churches. Instead of saying, hey, wait a minute, what if every day you got up and said, I'm just grateful to be here. I'm grateful that God's given us life. This is another meal. It's another small step forward. And what we see uh, remembering the, the, the first Thanksgiving and moving us forward to that is a resilience that uh, I think we, you know, four or five hundred years later, we can actually benefit from if we could draw from uh, that the events of the, that day onto today. Right, so true. Uh, well, we're going to continue talking about this in a little bit. We're going to discuss what it is that we're thankful for uh, this year. But one of the things I, I just I want to remind you of and kind of reiterate what we were talking about before, and Neil was talking about this as well, helping people in need even in the midst of the struggles that we have. I mean, yes, things are tough right now. Things are tough financially for many people. I get that. But think about what the pilgrims went through. And how difficult that was. So when you hear me talking about preborn and saving unborn babies' lives, $280 to stop 10 abortions, that's the cost. Uh, as I said before, if you're not able to do that, there's just no way financially you can make that happen. Okay, I understand. I'm not trying to guilt you. But I will ask everybody else listening to us right now, if this is not your situation, if it's not hurting you to put food on the table tomorrow for Thanksgiving dinner, Okay, if God has blessed you and you don't have to be rich, you're just paying your bills. If you're paying your bills and you're okay, you're you're treading water or above, if that's your situation right now, 
would you pick up the slack for maybe some other listeners that are struggling and desperately want to give that 280, but they're just not able to? Would you give that 280 right now? And maybe you did 280 already, and you'd be willing to do it twice, once for you and once for some unknown listener who would love to stop 10 abortions, but they just can't. All you got to do, folks, is go right now to CrawfordMediaGroup.net and click on the Preborn tab, and you can give right there. CrawfordMediaGroup.net, click on Preborn. Whatever amount you can give, if it's $280, then you're stopping 10 abortions. If it's $2,800, you're stopping 100 abortions. If it's $15,000, you're buying an ultrasound machine, and you're stopping literally thousands of abortions. Whatever amount you can afford to do. That's what we're asking of you. It's a tax write-off, and 100% of what you give goes to fund ultrasounds. Uh, Nothing for overhead. And remember, it's when moms see ultrasound images of their babies. That's what causes them to choose life 83% of the time. So uh, CrawfordMediaGroup.net, click on Preborn if you would. We appreciate you folks doing that. As we talk about Thanksgiving... Uh, this week, of course. Uh, and, Neil, I want to get your take on what we're talking about here. You, like Roger, are a pastor, and so uh, certainly the spiritual aspect of Thanksgiving is very important. But uh, when you think about what those pilgrims went through, when you think about how difficult that was, watching half, half of them die in the first few months, and while that's happening, uh, and they had to be scared to death, they're praising God and giving thanks to him and saying this is all for his glory in the midst of that. That that really is expressing a tremendous faith that I think we we can and should learn from today. Yeah, and I'm glad you said it that way because you know, if, I mean, you think about people in developing nations, I don't know, I'm sure you guys at some point or another have been on a mission trip to third world country or something and you find people who have virtually nothing i mean my wife and son went to a mission trip one time literally to the garbage dumps of mexico city and there are people who live in the garbage dumps that's where they find their sustenance somehow they get along that way Um, but what they found there was tremendous joy and a freedom that doesn't exist for people who have so much i mean we live in a country that's literally Uh, marked by opulence. I mean, that would be the right word, even for those like in the middle class. Now, I realize there are some people who struggle um, with lesser means, but even so, you know, they're still some of the most uh, affluent people in the world, comparatively speaking. So, you know, what is it that causes that kind of joy? And why is it that we get so entangled with the stuff of this world? Um, You know, the Bible says that the love of money is the root of all sorts of evil, and, and it, it's just easy to get entangled in that kind of thing. And I think that um, we really need to do look at the simplicity and the scarcity with which those people lived and the joy that they had and the dependence, literally the dependence they had on Almighty God. Um, so while, you know, like if you compared us side by side with those pilgrims, people might say, well, they could look to the future and find out how to be this opulent. Like, they could learn something from us. I think it's the exact opposite. If we could look back and say, what what was it that they had that, that we're somehow missing in the midst of everything that we consider to be, you know, a blessing in this day and age? And I'm not, you know, I'm not anti-blessings, but the point is that, that, that really, honestly, we're very shallow. And... um I thank God for the lessons to be learned by what people went through to suffer and still praise God in the midst of it. And I hope that that's like front and center in all of our minds this Thanksgiving. Well, I sure hope so. And uh, one of the things I'd like to do in our as we wind down the rest of this uh, podcast is maybe just go around the table and 
uh, just kind of lay out publicly what it is that we're thankful for. And we got to remember, being thankful, uh, that's not just something that's good to do. Okay, like it says in Psalm 92.1, it is a good thing to give thanks to the Lord. Uh, but this is something that we're instructed to do throughout Scripture. I mean, if you think about it, we're to give thanks in all things. Uh, Solomon expressed gratitude uh, in First uh, Kings 8. Okay, Deuteronomy 8, uh, you've got thanking God for food, as well as John 6. Uh, David thanking God after winning a battle in Second. Uh, Samuel. Uh, we have Philippians 4, 6. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. Uh, Colossians 2, 6 talks about uh, abounding in it with thanksgiving. Uh, 1 Thessalonians 5. In everything, give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Uh, Jesus, of course, giving thanks at the Last Supper, knowing he's getting ready to uh, be killed a torturous death. The feeding of the 5,000, giving thanks for the few loaves and fish. Uh, guys, as we go around the table, and and maybe, John, we could, we could start with you, uh, it, it does go against the grain sometimes of our flesh to be thankful. And I just want to say, you know, I'm just so thankful for the many blessings that God has given us, and certainly the ultimate gift, uh, Jesus Christ and salvation through him. But uh, if we could all just take maybe just 20 seconds tops as we're running out of time, John, real quick, what comes to mind first for you when you think about what you're thankful for? Uh, The gospel, salvation, my family, you guys, the fact that I get to sit in front of a microphone and with no real experience ever prior and be able to do what I do on a daily basis and you know, have Crawford Broadcasting believe enough in me back in the day to allow me to do so. You know, all of that combined, guys, um, and I don't say it in any kind of a cliche manner, but you know, the blessings are huge. I'm very fortunate, very thankful, and I just can't imagine what other place on earth you'd live in that you can have the abundance that we have. Yeah, so true. Uh, Neil, uh, to you real quick, maybe just uh, 20 seconds real quick. What comes to mind when you think about what you're thankful for? Well, I appreciate every opportunity I have to learn from you guys every single week, but the number one thing that comes to my mind uh, is found in Lamentations. You know, the reality that God's mercy is new every single morning, Lamentations 3.23. I need that mercy every single day, and I'm grateful that God has never given up on me and that uh, my sin, oh, the bliss of this glorious thought, my sin not in part but the whole was nailed to the cross and I bear it no more. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, O my soul. Mm. And Roger Marsh, uh, last word on this, last 20 seconds, uh, your thankfulness. I echo everything John and Neil said. Uh, it is well with all of our souls, I think, because of our faith in Christ. And right. I'm thinking about that passage in First Thessalonians 5, rejoice always, pray without ceasing, in everything give thanks. Uh, I think right. it's, it's so important for us to have an attitude of gratitude and to live that out. People are going to see uh, the gratitude that we have because of the grace of God and the fact that when That's we are right. gracious people and, and grateful people, uh, we reflect his love for us uh, that we don't deserve, and yet that unmerited favor, God riches at Christ's expense. Uh, that's what I'm most grateful for this Thanksgiving in particular as we see God really starting to raise up his justice and his righteousness and show us things the way they really are and uh, it right. gives us the resilience and perseverance to keep pressing on. And I'm grateful for and our week- weekly gatherings here with you guys too. I learned so much from all these discussions every week. 
Absolutely. And folks, we are thankful that uh, you tune in and that you listen to us. Uh, We appreciate that. We really do. And in all things, let's give thanks to the Lord. He has truly blessed us immensely. And uh, paying for our sins and eternal salvation, I mean, my goodness, anything above that is cream on top. It's just gravy, just like the gravy you're going to have tomorrow. (laughs) Anyway, uh, thanks for listening, everybody. CrawfordMediaGroup.net to listen to previous episodes, as well as Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, wherever you listen to them. Watch video of our podcast at MyHopeNow.com. And Neil Boron, Roger Marsh, John Rush, myself, Bob Duco. Guys, always great catching up with you. Thanks a lot. Happy Thanksgiving to you. Happy Thanksgiving, Bob. Thanks. Happy Thanksgiving. You bet. Thanks for listening, everybody. God bless. You've been listening to the National Crawford Roundtable Podcast, a view of today's culture through a biblical lens, brought to you by Preborn, saving babies and souls. Join us in the fight to save babies from abortion. Your gift provides a free ultrasound for a mother in need. 80% of the time, she will choose life. Visit CrawfordMediaGroup.net and click on the Preborn logo to save babies now. You can download this podcast from Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and more from your local Crawford Media Group station or at CrawfordMediaGroup.net. And you can watch video of the podcast at MyHopeNow.com. Please give this podcast a five-star rating on your Apple app and look for the notification on your app for when the next weekly edition of the National Crawford Roundtable podcast is ready for you to download. This has been a Crawford Media Group production.